music wasn't intended to be paired with the dance between me and Jason switching the mic, but it worked really well. It did well, yeah. I I like your (laughs) two-step. So, we're going through a series called Mythbusters that you just saw a little video about. And the myth we're talking about today is more like myths, but about one subject, about heaven and what happens to us when we die. Now, for me, the Smith is kind of personal because for years, I assumed, without really actually consulting scripture, that when I died, I would go to heaven and I'd spend eternity there. And because God is eternal and transcends everything, it'd be timeless. I would have no sense of time or space or personal identity. It would just be a purely spiritual experience, totally free of anything physical whatsoever. So that was my understanding of heaven. But other people have other understandings. When I die, I'll become an angel and play a harp in a conveniently placed sort of Cupid-style Renaissance loincloth thing for ages and ages and ages. Or I'll go to church for the rest of eternity. For some people, that's a dream. For some people, that's an absolute nightmare. Well, here's the thing is that a lot of what we believe about heaven what happens when we die is almost true. And some things are just straight up not true. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit a few key points about what happens when I die. Because that's the question that the myth is trying to answer. What happens when I die? Well, you'll become an angel. Or you won't have a body. You'll just be in spiritual limbo forever. And it'll be nice. But the thing is that I'm just going to answer that question, but there's so much more information on this subject. So as added incentive, Mm -hmm. other than appetizers, to have the app, later this week we're going to have a full breakdown of not only what's being said today in the sermon, but just about heaven in general, tons of verses, and it will be a great way for you to connect deeper with the material, especially if you had questions like, Josh did not talk about this at all. Like, what? Does he even know anything about the Bible? Well, you can go in the app, and then you can tell me that. So. But before we go into the myth, I want to talk about why we are breaking it down. Number one is a lot of what we believe about heaven is not found in Scripture. And that leads to number two. We can't engage with it because it's kind of uh, amoebic and weird and odd and strange. I had trouble even caring about heaven whenever I had those beliefs I mentioned earlier. And maybe you do too. Before we dive in, I just want to pray. And I just want to pray, first of all, so that we can all just take a stance of humility, especially me. I don't want to step on anyone. I don't want to make anyone feel like, oh, this guy thinks he knows everything. No, not my intention. I just want to share the good news of the hope that we have for life everlasting. So, join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, first of all, humble my heart and my soul. Help me to follow you and your spirit today as I speak the good news of your word to multiple people right here, right now. And I pray for all of us to take on a stance of being extremely curious and willing to hear your word. Lord Jesus, come here and be with us today by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, 
to start off with a story. It's, a little, it's, it's, it's almost a silly story, but it's not because it actually happened. My dad is a pastor, and he's a, he's a great pastor, but at one time he was a lowly vicar, which is like a pastor intern. And he's like in his late 20s, and he's visiting this guy who's been sick for days. Really kind of end-of-life type stuff. Hadn't moved or given any indication of awareness. He'd just been asleep for days and days and days. So my dad makes a hospital visit like good vicars do. And he sits with this man's wife, who's just been sitting there patiently for days and days and days, next to this husband of hers who's been sleeping. Just, and they know it's towards the end. So my dad, just trying to look for some kind of comfort, hops in and uh, we find something really, really amazing. He goes to the story of Lazarus, which is a good friend of Jesus, Jesus's, and Jesus could have gone to him on his deathbed but chose not to, and instead waited for Lazarus to die. And he knew that Lazarus was going to die because he was like a couple days travel away, and he waited and waited until it was almost certain that Lazarus would be dead by the time he got there. And when he got there, Lazarus' sisters, who are good friends of Jesus, they came up to him, and they asked him, why did this happen? Why did you do this? Well, First of all, Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and we're going to go wake him up. And his disciples said, if he's asleep, that's good, he'll get better. And Jesus said, no, you guys, that's not the point. He's dead. And then they move on. But when he gets there, Martha comes up to him, Lazarus' sister. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now imagine this. Imagine a young pastor sitting in this hospital room next to a man who's been asleep and dying for many days and his wife. Imagine that scene. So my father read, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He's reading this to the man. Carl is his name. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's just reading, and he gets to the next line. Do you believe this? And from the hospital bed, Carl yells out, Yes! <laughs> True story. That was the one thing he said in like a week. <laughs> and so then, you can imagine what his wife did. Whoop! And my dad popped up and nearly dropped the Bible. And the car, there's nothing, nothing from him again. Now here's the kick. And this is what's going to lead us into a new mentality, I hope, for life everlasting. Is that the next day, Carl died. Or did he? Think, think about it, though, from the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me 
will never die. Now we assume, I think a lot of the time we suck power out of Jesus' words because we assume he's being symbolic and cryptic. We turn him into yoga real quick. Whenever really, he's a man on a mission. We should maybe turn him into more of an MLK type guy in our heads. He's not being cryptic here. He's not being symbolic. Why would he do that to a mourning widow? And why would he do that when he's about to go raise Lazarus up from the dead himself in a real physical way? Jesus is being very, very real, very serious, and very literal when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believe, believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then all the people in Carl said, Yes. yes. <laughs> so here's the thing, is that based on what Jesus says, those who believe in him, they don't die. Which is hard to believe because we all know people who passed away. A fact that's very real for us this morning. But let's look at something earlier that I mentioned that Jesus said. His disciples said, what are we doing? Where are we going? Jesus said again, I think less symbolically than we've come to believe, he's falling asleep. We're going to go wake him up. Disciples said, oh, what? Then Jesus says, no, guys, okay, fine. He died, sort of. We're going to go fix that. What if we took these words of Jesus and made them real instead of abstract, symbolic, cryptic? So, now we have a new question. Instead of what happens when I die, because according to Jesus, death might not be the whole answer. We'll get back to that later. What happens when I fall asleep? This is where we come to the conclusion about when we go to heaven. And you would find really good evidence for that in the scripture. Because yes, when someone believes in Christ dies, the first thing that will happen is they will see Jesus. They will be with Jesus. Jesus said on the cross to the thief who believed in him, Today, that brother died that day, you will be with me in paradise. And there's this verse from 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning, we're not with Jesus now. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body. And to be at home with the Lord. So you got, he didn't even know what going to do. So you got the body, you can sit right there. And then you got the Lord. And then other verses indicate that Jesus is in heaven. That's where he is right now. Not super often does it say, I will die and go to heaven in the Bible. It says, I will die and be with Jesus. And then somewhere else it'll say, Jesus is in heaven. Does that make sense? So it's this idea that when I die, I will leave my body. That is true. So that way I can be with Jesus. Paul says, I would rather depart and be with Christ, which is far better than being here in my body. But, here's the thing. That's not where the story ends. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I am the escape. He didn't say, I am the secret hiding spot for souls. 
said, I am the resurrection and the life. So here's the thing. Think of God's big picture. Because here's the thing. Here's where I want to break gently. Is this idea that we'll leave the physical body forever and ever. Because it's not in here. See, God made the world. And he made you. And he made Adam and Eve. And all the little creatures. Fishies in the sea. The mountaintops. The hippo hippopotamus, which is a kid's song. If you don't know, you should. That's great. And you know what he called it? He said it was good. He said it was good. And God is perfect. And things that he makes that are good are really, really, really good. Why would he abandon that? Why, at the end of time, when he has redeemed everything, including you by the blood of Jesus, would he leave it and just say, we're done with that. Bye-bye. That was nice. But now we're going to move on and abandon all these things that he originally made good. No. The story of the Bible is that this was made good and it was broken. And now God is going to redeem it and make all things good again. Think about that. Think about what if the picture of heaven looks more like the Garden of Eden than a painting in the back. Think about that. And here's the thing is that Paul explains this. He explains this in Romans 8. So he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Hold on to that real quick. The creation waits an eager expectation. The world is waiting for something. What is it waiting for? You guys. You See, here's the thing. This is the real narrative of what happens after we die is that we'll die, we'll be in heaven with Jesus, but then there will be a revelation, a revealing, where God brings us back to a new earth, and the world is waiting for us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. You are children of God. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Meaning that in the beginning, creation was good. It looked a lot like heaven. And then, because of sin and brokenness, God put limits on creation. He put limits on humanity. By the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought to the freedom and glory of the children of God. Those are a lot of words, and I said them very fast. So, what this picture is painting is that you've got the world. How many of you love nature? Raise your hand. How many of you love skiing? Okay, sweet. Some people who like skiing don't like nature. I get that. But you've been fooled. <laughs> skiing is a part of nature. Aha. Guess what? That was intended for us to have this amazing connection with the world because here's the thing is that God put us in charge of it and the world is waiting for us to be resurrected and restored and redeemed it's waiting for us to come home how many of you have ever waited in anticipation for someone to come home literally my lovely girlfriend is here she had no idea I would be mentioning her in the service we have a long distance relationship 
I lived in Chicago for a year. She lived in Dallas. Now I live here, and she lives in Dallas. <laughs> when we reunite, there is eager anticipation. There is expectation. There is this fulfillment when we meet each other in the airport or a really good restaurant that our parents want to take us to. <laughs> Isn't that so much more lively and real and tangible? The idea that the world is waiting for you and that everything will be new and grand and great. It is for me. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It don't like it. The world is not happy with the current state of affairs. Pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship. This next verse is killer. The redemption of our bodies. So here's the point. And part of it has to do with me and my own, I'm coming at this from my own worldview, my own background. But I think it's pretty general is that Heaven isn't an out-of-touch, identity-less, body-less, yee-haw in the sky. Heaven is the afterlife where you will spend, spend time with Jesus, knowing him. You won't have a body, yes. But here's the thing, is that there is an after-afterlife. Something that, for some of us, may be like, what? What is he talking about? Who is this man? Get him off the stage. But it's true. There's an after, afterlife. And that, by any account that I found in Scripture, is where we spend eternity. Oh, oh my gosh. First of all, that's a beautiful story, I think, and an engaging one. One that I can connect to. I can imagine sitting with Jason Haynes in the after, afterlife. I will drink coffee. He will drink tea. We will still disagree on it. <laughs> I will be able to hang out with all of you as long as we want in a real place, in a physical place. Shoot, give us enough time. We can cut down a couple of trees, make skis, and start this whole thing over again. Think about that. First of all, it's a very entertaining, engaging, and fun thought exercise that worships God, but also... How does that thought affect your suffering now? How does this cycle of something good being broken down and then being resurrected into something good again, how does that affect how you're looking at your suffering now? Your suffering might just be what happens before a resurrection in your life. I want you to know that. And I don't come from that place of haughtiness and I know this and you don't. But that's a pattern that God has put in the grand scheme of things and in your life every day. After all, Jesus chose the thing that you'll do, hopefully every day, to talk about death. You go to sleep, 
you drink, and you will rise again. So what other things in your life are cyclical and end in goodness and the resurrection of God? And also, I want to encourage you in a very interesting thought exercise to think about if you had all the time in the world, what kind of person would you be? I'd be patient, I would hope. Yeah, God will remake me into a patient person. I'll be able to sit there and listen to people. I'll be able to hear your story of what happened to you on the previous life. Maybe. But then we'll just get to spend time together. That affects me now. Whenever I start to become impatient, I think, Josh, what person will God make you into? And that helps me. Maybe it can help you too. Here's the thing is that Jesus himself, his body, went up on a cross. And his body went into a tomb. And his body rose again. So that way you would know that your sufferings, your trials, your life, your body, it may fade away. Good things may pass. But they will always be resurrected again. We are sure of that. In our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. Join me for prayer. First of all, that this would just capture our hope, that our hope would become real as our thought about the afterlife becomes real and tangible. And uh, join me in prayer that we would always see our life in the lens of the cross death, life, resurrection. Join me. Lord Jesus, first of all, we thank you for your suffering on the cross, your life, your resurrection, and how that puts our life into perspective. God, I pray that your words about what happens to us after we die, the fact that we will come back in real bodies, that would have an effect on our faith. that that would help us to connect to your perfection and your goodness, that it wouldn't be abstract anymore, that it would be concrete and tangible. And may that affect our lives every single day. And of course, Lord, thank you that we have Jesus and his death to carry us into our death Thank you that when we stand before you, that we will be able to present Jesus to you. And that you will hear us, listen to us, and redeem us, restore us, and resurrect us, just like Lazarus. Pray this name in the mighty name of Jesus.